turn to God's word tonight to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, let's read this entire chapter together. And the text we consider will consist of verses 8 and 9. Philippians 4, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Euodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose, my, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. 
The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired word. I call your attention to verses 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Beloved congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ, at the beginning of Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul addresses a very sensitive issue that was taking place in the church at Philippi. There were two women in the congregation there at the church at Philippi, but there were two women who were not getting along. And their names were Euodius and Syntyche. Now the Bible doesn't tell us why they were not of the same mind, but for a while that was the truth of the matter. For a while they were not of the same mind. And the situation became so serious that the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to address the issue. Because at this point in time, it had turned into a public dispute between these two women. And now Paul exhorts them specifically and publicly to be of the same mind and to settle their dispute. And in the settling of their dispute, they ought to listen to the good advice of others. That's what we have in verse 3. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow. We don't know exactly who this true yoke fellow is, more than likely the minister at the church at Philippi. But I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, Help those women, Euodius and Syntyche, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. And so the word of Paul, now to this true yoke fellow, and to Euodius and Syntyche is this. Euodius and Syntyche, this my true yoke fellow who lives among you, he's going to give you good words of wisdom. He's going to talk to you. He's going to address the situation. You listen to him, you follow his words, and you let the matter be settled. And so this event in the life of the Philippian congregation, this dispute between these two women now in part becomes the occasion for what Paul says in the text in verses 8 and 9. Saints at Philippi, think on those things that are true and honest. 
Think on those things that are pure and lovely. Because you see, for a while, those two women, Euodius and Syntyche, they were not doing that. But instead, they were meditating and thinking and stewing about their own personal preferences. They refused to budge. They, they didn't want to listen to the other because in their minds, well, they were right and the other was wrong. And you can see them becoming suspicious one of another, even angry towards the other. They regarded each other as Christians. Of course they did. They regarded each other as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, but they didn't have good thoughts one towards another. And that can only lead to division and turmoil in the church. And so because this kind of bitter, hostile spirit often infects other members of the congregation when it goes unaddressed, Paul says in the text, Euodius and Syntyche and and all you Philippians think on those things that are pure and lovely and just and holy and all the rest. Well, that's the word of God to us tonight, that we ought to be meditating on good and right things. And this is a good word for us to hear, especially for two reasons. In the first place, there are times in all of our lives when we become agitated and restless for, for a host of various reasons, things aren't going our way, we become very negative. We become very pessimistic. And we even know it, but we're not very fun to be around. And we sit around day after day thinking about the wrong things. And the text addresses that. The text says, here's the solution. Put those bad things out of your mind and instead meditate on those things that are pure and lovely and just and of good report. And in the second place, this is a good word for us because it instructs us concerning our behavior towards one another in the church of Jesus Christ. Because here the questions are many, but the question is this, are you currently at odds with someone else in the church? Are you not of the same mind with somebody else? And I ask that of you with regard to anybody in the sanctuary or with regard to anybody else in the denomination, I ask that with regard to us as ministers or, or anybody else. And when you let that disagreement fester, then you tend not to think very well of that other person. Maybe you become suspicious of that other person and you say, I, I know what his or her motives are all about. I know what they're up to. I've got a good idea what they're plotting in their mind and what they're trying to do. See, that's not a healthy attitude. That's not the right perspective for a disciple of Jesus Christ. Then we're not thinking properly, and all too often we're meditating on the exact opposite things that the text mentions. 
And so as the text says, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, and in that way, the God of peace shall be with you. I call your attention to verses 8 and 9. We take as our theme, think on these things. Let's note first, meditating on the good, all of those virtues listed in verse 8. Secondly, avoiding the bad. And then finally, enjoying God's blessing. And the blessing is peace. Think on these things. Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, sets forth what is to be the content of our holy, sanctified thinking. And what are those things that we ought to be thinking about and meditating on as Christians? Well, all of those virtues that are listed in verse 8. Let's take a while to look at these virtues. In the first place, the text says, Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are true. And here, right away, we start off with God. God is a God of truth. That's what Deuteronomy 32, verse 4 proclaims. He is the rock. His work is perfect. A God of truth without iniquity. And this tells us not only that God exists and that he is a real spiritual being, but then further it tells us that even as God is true, so also his word is true. And even the course of history demonstrates that the word of God is true because in the Old Testament God promised to bring forth the seed of the woman, to bring forth the Messiah. And God has shown himself true to his word so that in the fullness of time the Lord Jesus Christ has come in our flesh. God is true. His word is true. And then the spirit of truth testifies in our hearts that God is true and his word is sure. And now our calling is to seek that truth now, in our relationship one with another in the body of Jesus Christ, because when there's truth between brother and sister, then there's that peace and there's that unity and there's that fellowship and harmony. And how shameful it is in the church of Jesus Christ when one member cannot take another member by his or her word. That's very shameful. That ought not happen. That's sinful. That makes fellowship impossible because where there's no truth, there's no trust. And where there's no trust, there cannot be that enjoyment of friendship and closeness and harmony. And because God is truth, he hates the lie. He hates deception. He hates that which covers up the truth. And so the calling for you and for me is to seek that truth and to love that truth at all times and in all matters. Whatsoever things are true. And then in the second place, the apostle goes on and says, whatsoever things are honest. 
And that word honest literally means honorable, those things that are honorable. And then it comes to mean those things that are, that are to be revered, something that's fit to be honored and revered. So that this refers to a certain dignified conduct. This is the same word that's used in 1 Timothy and in Titus as one of the necessary qualifications for office bearers in the church of Jesus Christ as, as well as their wives, that they be grave and sober. And so here the exhortation is, think upon those things that are of a fitting, dignified conduct. The warning becomes this, Beware of that careless, indifferent attitude that may arise in your thoughts and minds. We're prone by nature to that kind of a thinking, that, that careless thinking, and that's one of the greatest obstacles to sanctification so that it becomes our calling to realize how serious this life is in face of eternity. That's to think about those things that are honest. When you live in the awareness of the awful realities of sin and death and God's punishment for sin, when you consider Jesus Christ and who he is and the full and free salvation that he has merited for you and for me, when you think of the final judgment and the separation of the sheep and the goats and when you meditate on the eternal destination of all men when you meditate on your eternal de destination well that has a way of making one sober in his thinking and that's what it means about thinking about those things that are honorable Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, and in the third place, whatsoever things are just, which means whatsoever things are in harmony with the law of God. And that means that whatever is opposed to the law of God, we banish those things from our mind. We, we don't meditate on those things. If God's word says, thou shalt not, then, then we don't spend all day thinking about all those things that we can't do, but that we would like to do. No, we give no place to idols in our thoughts. No thoughts of hatred, no thoughts of revenge, no lusting, no coveting. Those things aren't just. Why not? Because those are the things directly opposed to the law of God. But on the contrary, those things that tend to, to the glory of God and those things that tend to the welfare of the neighbor, well, those things are just. Those things are full of virtue because those things are in harmony with the law of God. And then in the fourth place, verse 8 goes on and it makes reference, is made to, to whatsoever things are pure and lovely and of good report. Whatsoever things are pure.
pure. It's speaking about that which is, which is not defiled, that which is not corrupted, but something that's holy and just. And this tells us that the Christian mind must be filled with sanctified thinking and that we, we shrink away from moral defilement of any kind whatsoever. Whatsoever things are lovely and whatsoever things are of good report. And that means don't think on ugly things, morally corrupt things. Don't think of things that are of an evil report, but good things. Delighting to spread good news and a good report of the neighbor and not rumors. Delighting to build the neighbor up by way of that good report. And so all of those things, whatsoever things are true and honorable and just, pure and lovely and of good report. And now concerning all these good spiritual characteristics, the text says at the end of verse 8, now think on these things. Think on those things. Now, God has given to us a good, healthy, regenerated mind. And with that mind that God has given unto us, we are called to use it in his service. And that tells us, this is a text that points us to that the Christian life is not only to be filled with outward good works that we show in thankfulness to God, outward works that others can see and that are visible, but even the very thoughts of my mind are subject to the word of God. That's what it says. Think on good things, virtuous things, praiseworthy things. That is, think not just about these things, but consider them. Meditate upon these things. Not in a daydream type of a way, of course, but to think long and hard and in a spiritual way about these things. And then you can't help but think about Mary, in Luke chapter 2, a young woman, the angel Gabriel visits her. Thou shalt conceive and bear a child, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And she had not known a man. And then later when she had given birth, here these shepherds come in from the field, and these grown men, bow down and worship this newborn child. And Mary, what does the Bible say in Luke chapter 2, verse 19? Mary considered all these things and she pondered them in her heart. She thought about them. She considered them. She considered God and his word and the truthfulness of God and the faithfulness of God, and the wonder of God. But she considered these things, and she pondered them in her heart. 
Beloved, is that what you think about? Do you take the time to meditate slowly and carefully and deliberately upon good spiritual matters so that it might be when you go to bed at night and you lay your head down and you are a little restless. What are the things that you think about when you go to bed at night? The Bible says, think about these things. Meditate on them. And this godly thinking is so important because if we do the opposite, think unholy and impure thoughts, well, that unholy thinking will in some way or another show itself in unholy living. And that leads me to the next thing that needs to be mentioned. Sanctified thinking means not only that we think and meditate on that which is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and of good report, yes, we are, but that we then seek to perform those things. Verse 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. So the Apostle Paul is setting himself forth as an example of all of those things that are pure and holy and lovely and of good report. Now Paul says, think about those things, and as you see them demonstrated in my life, then you too, Philippian congregation, and you too, Dune PRC, do those things. And so the principle is this. Sanctified thinking always leads to sanctified living. That's a very important principle that the Word of God sets forth right here in Philippians chapter 4. Sanctified thinking leads to sanctified living. And that's not simply a principle we gather just from this passage, but from the book of James as well. In James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, we, we had that same principle that set forth. In James 2, 15 and 16, we're familiar with this example. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warm and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful for the body, what doth it profit? And so there's a situation that James 2 speaks of. It speaks of, of a brother or sister who is in urgent need of your help, and you are in a position to help them. And your thinking leads you to say, Brother or sister, I, I see that you are in need. And I wish you the very best. Goodbye. Well, that's, that's not sanctified thinking because you didn't follow through and do those things that you should have been properly thinking of. And if there's no deeds that follow, then what that thinking really amounts to is, well, it's futile thinking. It's empty thinking, but that's the principle. Sanctified thinking will show itself 
will manifest itself in sanctified living. And so let us as a congregation as, and as individuals heed this word of God. Think on these things. Meditate and do them. Fill your minds with things that are virtuous and praiseworthy. Meditate on these things in your homes. Spend time reading the scriptures, reading the confessions, reading good theological magazines and spiritual material that, that calls your attention to spiritual matters because we are a spiritual people. We have spiritual lives and our thoughts must be spiritual. Cultivate that spiritual mind. Recognize your need to fill your soul with Jesus Christ, with his righteousness and truth. Think on these things and do them. And we have the praiseworthy example of not only the Apostle Paul, but of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so having set forth the positive, meditating on those things which are good, we also need to be admonished the other way to avoid those things which are bad. Uh, all of the good things that the text mentions, those things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report, well, there's, there's the opposite. There are things that are false. There are things that are filthy. There are things that are corruptible. And we need this admonition as well because it's exactly our sinful natures to think and to meditate on these bad things, to give heed to the lie, to give a listening ear to gossip and to engage in that gossip to the hurt and to the destruction of the neighbor. That's your nature, and that's my nature. Our sinful human natures don't want to think about pure and holy things. We'd rather spend the hours of the day thinking about the most abominable things. And we have to reckon with that reality that the temptation is there, and sometimes it becomes a reality that even we as Christians would read and watch and meditate upon the most spiritually destructive garbage. Things that are entirely destitute of anything that is uh, virtuous or praiseworthy. And then the danger is that this unsanctified living or thinking would go on and manifest itself in unsanctified living because you pollute your mind with evil thoughts and with perverse desires, well, that's going to show itself. You willfully and deliberately and impenitently drag your mind through the gutter, well, then it's not going to be long 
before the body becomes defiled as well. And because we're sinful creatures, we need this exhortation to mind spiritual things, to think on wholesome things, to avoid the evil. And so the Lord comes to us in his mercy and he calls us to spiritual attention. But there's another evil we have to avoid that I call your attention to. It's not specifically mentioned here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. But it's implied, but it is mentioned in another passage in Scripture, in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul says to Timothy in verse 3, 1 Timothy 6, verse 3, if, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, and then verse 4, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, and now this word, evil surmisings. That has to do with our thoughts evil surmisings, and uh, that word surmisings is literally the word uh, suspicion. Suspicion. It, it, it's not the word I suspect. Say, I, 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 I hear something outside. I think it's a stray dog in the backyard. L let me go out and confirm what I suspect it might be. No, but this is a word that means to be suspicious, but evil suspicions about the neighbor so that I think the worst of the neighbor. When the neighbor has done something to irritate me, and now I keep that neighbor at arm's length and I talk to that person roughly because I am suspicious of them that they're going to do it all over again. Or it could take, the, take this form where somebody in the church is especially generous and kind to somebody else. And we see that generosity and that graciousness that they have towards somebody else. We become suspicious of them. And we say, I, I think I know what they're up to. They're just doing it for themselves. They, they just want people to congratulate them. They want to have a name among others. I, I figured them out. I know why they're doing that. And they're only doing it for the praise of men. Evil surmises. Or what about this? When I need help and I'm in a difficult situation and I know that there are others who have the ability to help me out, but when nobody would come to my aid and... I become suspicious about their motives. They must not like me. They must be pretty greedy people. And they want to hoard all of their resources and money for themselves and not share it with others. And we jump to wrong and sinful conclusions about the neighbor. All right, I've given you a few examples, but this is all under the category of evil surmisings, 
evil suspicions, always thinking the worst about the neighbor, never giving the benefit of the doubt, never giving the judgment of charity, not thinking lovely and pure and good things about the neighbor, but it's always viewing them in the worst light possible. What is that? It's the sin of pride. It's the sin of setting myself up as judge and jury and executioner and in a condescending way looking down upon the neighbor, evil surmisings, evil suspicions. And now in a very practical way, we can see how destructive that kind of an attitude can be even in a marriage between a husband and a wife. What is that kind of a marriage going to be like when the husband is always suspicious of the wife and the wife is always suspicious of her husband? Well, both of them will constantly be looking for unfaithfulness and everything that they do in the marriage, the other will interpret it in terms of their suspicion so that the husband comes home late from work. And the wife says, I knew it. You're out having an affair. My suspicions are correct. Or the wife is on the phone for an hour with somebody else. And the husband says, I know it. I knew it. She's talking behind my back. She's running my name down. And I knew it all along. Now I say, is that good for the marriage when husband and wife are of that kind of an attitude? And we say, of course not. It's bad. It's evil. It's destructive. It's that spirit of suspicion. And so that's what we have here. Evil surmisings, evil suspicions. This is the work of the devil. And this is deadly. This is dangerous. Avoid it. So that anything and everything that's opposed uh, evil surmisings to whatever is true and honest and pure and lovely. And so the, the word of God tells us what to do. The word of God says, don't think and dwell upon those evil things. Get rid of those suspicions, but instead think on these things in Philippians 4, whatsoever things are true and honest and just pure and lovely, and of good report. If there be any praise, if there be any virtue, think on those things. And in that way, the text says, the blessing of God be upon you. And that finally, the blessing that God gives to those who exercise their minds and their bodies with such holy thoughts and holy activities, the blessing that God bestows is peace. And that's the end of verse 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of Peace shall be with you. And the meaning is clear. God is the God of peace. 
and he will bless you with that peace. The opposite of all these spiritual virtues that are mentioned in the text, the op- uh, well, all that leads to friction and dispute and arguing and anger and hostility and suspicion. And that's not a peaceful household where those type of things would take place, but peace, that's harmony, that's tranquility, that's warmth, that's, that, that's comfort, that's fellowship. And God will bless you with peace. Your mind will be at peace. You will no longer experience enmity against God because God will bless your sanctified thinking with peace which soothes our souls and comforts our hearts. Here is the cure for anxiety. Here is the cure for depression, holy thoughts, sanctified thoughts, and God will give you peace. Peace so that you can lay your head down at night and you know that all is well because I am in my Father's hand. And God will grant you that peace only through Jesus Christ. The the end of verse 7 in Philippians 4 mentions that, that God will keep your minds and your hearts through Jesus Christ. Because when you think about those things that are true and honest, pure and lovely and of good report, You know what the first thing you're going to start thinking about is? And it's going to be the last thing that you start thinking about? Your thoughts will necessarily gravitate to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you think about those things that are true, what what better truth to occupy your mind than with Jesus, who himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is truth, and Jesus says, my words are true. When you want to think about those things that are honorable, then you meditate on the life of Jesus Christ and the mission that God gave him to perform His life was honorable, and Jesus was serious and sober as he would do the will of the Father and as he set his faith steadfastly to go to Jerusalem for our salvation. When you want to think about those things that are just, then you think about the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and you think of his perfect obedience to the will of the Father, not deviating in the slightest way, not even the hint of sin, even when he was presented with temptation, that he was faithful. You ponder the free imputation of Christ's righteousness to your account that all your justification is wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the just and holy one, And when you want to think about those things that are pure and lovely and of 
good reports, when you think about what God's people have been meditating upon for centuries and for millennia, when you ponder upon the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, because when you think on the cross of Christ, there, there is purity, there is honesty and justice and loveliness, and there is grace, and there is mercy, there is virtue in the blood of our Savior, and there is the beautiful, holy Son of God, my Lord and my Savior. Beloved, Philippians chapter 4 doesn't have us thinking about all of these things here and there and there, but it directs us to the Lord Jesus Christ and to his sacrifice on the cross. Believe in him, trust in him, rely upon him. And believing in this one Lord and Savior, what he did for you, how he gave his life, this sanctified thinking, God will bless God will bless you with the experience of that life of Christ. And that life of Christ is peace. Peace so that I know in my heart my sins are forgiven. I am right with God. I belong to my Savior. And so at the beginning of Philippians chapter 4, Euodius and Syntyche... They weren't getting along for a little while. For a time, they were disputing and arguing. And they were filled with pride. For a time, they were suspicious of each other's motives. But here's the cure. Here's the solution. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on the Lord Jesus Christ, and the God of peace shall be with you. May God so grant us grace that we avoid the evil, meditate on the good, and thereby enjoy the blessing of God, the blessing of peace. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, we thank thee for thy word. Apply it to our hearts and apply it to our minds that we may exercise our minds unto godliness, that we may follow through with our gracious and loving deeds and grant us to be that people who are spiritually minded. Keep us from all unholiness. Keep us from those thoughts that beset us. And may we see the Lord Jesus Christ in all his glory, in his suffering for our sins, and believe in him. And Father, may we thereby enjoy the peace that only comes from thee. Bless us in the remainder of this Sabbath day. May we would keep this day holy for the remaining hours of this Sabbath day. Forgive our sins. In Jesus' name.
Jesus' name we pray. Amen.